0: Welcome back everybody to the Stark Wars podcast where we talk all things Marvel and Star Wars. Please take a moment to check the show notes to find our social media, merch, and more. Today we are recapping Moon Knight episode 5 in full spoiler details, so if you haven't seen the episode, I would get out of here. And I'm joined by... Tommy, I'll have a good intro. I was was about to call you Hippo, but I don't know if that's good. It's Tommy Pizzolo. Tommy, how are you?
1: I'm good, and you know, it, it's fine. It's understandable, Michael, because we're in a funk right now. Our our, our hearts aren't balanced. We need to actually this whole podcast. We're just going to go through recap every single podcast we've ever done to uh, just you know make sure that all our memories are intact and we're not forgetting something that's going to be like a big re- revelation for us. Yes, yeah, so this must be the recap of the
0: recap here. Um, but hey, we have a guest here today. Uh, I'm super happy and excited to welcome. Jordan from the Two Black Nerds podcast. Jordan, how are you, man?
2: Doing great. Really excited to be here to talk to you guys about some some Moon Knight stuff. Uh, you know, any any sort of Egyptian deity or animal, you know, could could you know you could assign to me. I'd be okay with it because they're all they're all pretty cool to me. But uh, yeah, really excited to be here today.
0: Well, Jordan, I want to give you the chance to like this is this is your Star Wars debut here. Uh, tell the audience a little bit about yourself, and then maybe like uh, your initial thoughts of what you've been thinking of Moon Knight.
2: Sure. Well, as you said, I'm one half of uh, the Two Black Nerds podcast, so we uh, we do weekly reviews of movies and TV series, and we've also been reviewing Moon Knight as well over the past few weeks here. Um, we typically like to do separate weekly reviews for Marvel TV shows, but you can go check us out anywhere you get your podcast, Two Black Nerds. Um, but right now with Moon Knight, it's been, a, it's been an interesting show. Um, one of the things about the MCU shows that I've always been a little bit critical of is just the pacing and... The way that they handle, I think, just the the formats of their shows with the structure and the fact that they're all six episodes. It seems like it seems like they're still trying to find their groove and their rhythm. And so Moon Knight still feels a lot like that. But I was I was really interested to see how they would tackle this, because this is a character that's pretty much brand new for everybody. You know, I, I don't think a ton of people know about Moon Knight. So this is also the first time they haven't already addressed a character that we've been introduced to before wanda vision we knew wanda and vision falcon and the winter soldier so on and so forth and so this was really really going to be something new and um i think it's been interesting to see how that's integrated into the mcu but i still see a lot of the structural i think issues just with these marvel tv series they're still sort of present here unfortunately that said this most recent episode i think did a lot of work to overcome some of those obstacles and, and and criticisms that I've even had about it. Um, certainly the most emotional of the series so far. And I think Oscar Isaac's performance really, it really carries it in, in so many ways. He's doing some really tremendous work, even though there's like other other small things that that I still have a little bit of an issue with. But ultimately, I think that just the dramatic elements of it really, really kind of took it to the next level for me. And that's why, you know, I ultimately enjoyed it.
0: You know, you raise a good point, and I think um, this is maybe where I have, where my issues come from with the show, because I made a comment on Twitter this week that it got me in some trouble. I said that I thought Moon Knight was my least favorite MCU show, and people came for me, and I'm like, listen, you can't, like, it's not better than WandaVision. Loki, I personally like Hawkeye, so, uh, like, I won't take that debate, and I guess, like, Falcon and the Winter soldier I think that's the one that people kind of juggle with me, but for me, I don't know. And I think it does boil down to the fact that we just have not had enough time with this character for me to truly care. And I think, I think that is um I, I think there was like two emotional crutches in this episode. It was one looking at his past. And then it was two the, what we get at the end with the separation of Mark and Steven. And actually the separation of Mark and Steven worked for me way more than some of the flashbacks. And again, I think it just comes from, I, I don't feel like I know this guy enough to like really like, like I, like I saw people said that this episode made them cry. It didn't make me cry. Um, Tommy, I, I know you've got counter words for that. So hit me with it.
1: I love this episode. No, I mean, I, I did. And I think this is where I think, Jordan, to your point of the pacing is a huge thing. And I also think the week to week, I think if this is a binge show, if you're watching this back to back to back, you're saying we don't know them. I think we do. It just think you forget by the time you get to the next episode. So if you're watching four episodes of Mark and S- Steven fighting and fighting and fight, and then you get to this episode and you you get the backstory, you get you see them connect. It, it may be like Steven, as someone who has has been on this pa- podcast saying how much I've been annoyed with Steven, I was crushed by the end of the episode. Um, but I do think like the series as a whole uh has has struggled with the pacing. You know, you got the first first two episodes where it felt very slow, and I was like, all right, we're like we're going somewhere and then three and four they're like oh wait we forgot there's got to be some sort of plot going on and they jumped right into a bunch of stuff and now it's like the end of four into five it was like okay let's take a pause let's take a break and catch it back up it kind of felt like WandaVision where we remember the the flashback episode of WandaVision it felt like that a little bit of like let's let's jump into these memories let's give you some back background on these characters so you do start to care so, and I, I guess that's, that's what this is. This is the
0: point in a regular TV show where I would begin to care. Not that I will care. This is like, I'm still being introduced. And and the weird thing is um, we focus so much on Steven yet. Steven isn't even the actual character. Like I, I know so little about Mark. I, I know like the very basic understanding of like some of the big events in his life now, but I still like haven't been through anything with this character and I guess there's t- two sides of the coin because the fact that we spent so much time with Steven made the ending more emotional for me but then I'm also left with this guy Mark and I, like he's a mercenary that's what I know so I-, I don't know Jordan if you have any thoughts on that
2: yeah, no, I, I think that that's a really that's a really good point, because what I noticed after watching this episode and really thinking about it, I'm like, oh, well, this this is kind of us entering the story like this entire series is us entering the story almost at the end of the story. Really, we're kind of in the third act of it, and we had to sort of go back to fill in those blanks. And I just wonder if maybe the structure, if it was presented differently um, to really give more backstory and development for Mark for us to understand who he is, if we had gotten that earlier that might have affected just the emotional reaction. Cause I, I I do agree that Steven has been the one that's been in the driver's seat. And so that emotional reaction that we got out of his performance in particular at the end of the episode makes, I think it makes a ton of sense and you you feel connected to that Mark. There's not much to really grab onto where it would make me care. And ultimately I think that's been kind of the biggest thing for me with the show is that it has been, it's it's been hard to attach to anybody really. It's been, it's been difficult, especially Mark because he's withheld so much information the entire time, especially from Layla, which we know. So I think uh, there's there's obviously an air of mystery that's, that 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 needs to, I guess, be upheld within this series because they're trying to tell it in a certain type of fashion. But I don't know. I just wonder if they if they if they experimented with that if if it might have yielded a different result.
1: Yeah, I would I would be intrigued on the different pairings. I do think to defend the way they do it here. I think now seeing where they're going. I think you do need to introduce Steven first. Cause I think otherwise you're not going to care about, you're not going to get the emotional toll you get from this episode because otherwise you'd be like, ah, oh, Steven's just a memory. It's like, whatever. And I think the show wants you to, the show wants you constantly to question everything. And I think the show wanted you to question, is it Mark's body? Is it Steven's body? We don't really know. Like obviously the comics tell you some information there. And I think too, I guess I do connect to Mark. And, and I think it's because, he doesn't wear his emotions on his sleeve like Steven does. He's and this episode shows he's just a broken kid, man. Every like, he gets into so many abusive relationships. You know, you got the we see like jumping into the episode like you see that, and then Conchu another like, and it's so like I can relate to someone who is very closed off to the world and doesn't give a ton because there is this emotional baggage that he's been holding on when he breaks down and he's crying. Like to me, that did get me that did you know, that's the stuff because it was finally, we saw the true Mark. We saw this, this kid that just went through a awful, awful event as a kid and then more awful events. And he's never had a break. He sees himself as just a fit. Like when he says like, I, I was a mercenary. Cause like, what else can I do? But even that he's ashamed of, like, to me, there is like so much depth in Mark because he's just a tragic, sad boy. <laughs> Tommy,
0: you're making a good point. So um, I, I think I think, you can, I think you can turn me by the end of this podcast. So um, if you will, let's go ahead and dive into the episode a little bit. And um, my, okay, so my notes are all over the place. And Tommy, this is something we ran into in the past where like there's a lot of cutting back and forth between things. So I've kind of structured things in a way that like I'm not going to be talking about where we come back. For instance, I'd like to just start out here and talk about the flashbacks and chronological order. I know it's kind of all over the place throughout the episode, but... Um, I guess, I guess we can start with, um, we, we can, again, this is like the middle of the episode now, but, um, when we're introduced to Mark and his brother, um, this is very much like, it seems like a very happy situation. They're in a barbecue and then the kids run off to go play and they go into this cave and this is where Mark's brother dies. And, um, yeah, again, I, I feel like, uh, I, I sound horrible. This is a bad first impression, Jordan. But, I mean, a kid dying is sad. But it, it didn't get me, I, I guess, in this moment. But I, I guess more so the, the stuff leading up is what really matters. What did you think about this story and um, the his, his dead brother? For like yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that, that that was I mean, that was obviously the point of the episode that is really I mean, it's really supposed to get you emotionally emotionally invested into into Mark as a as a character, especially you see their family and they seem completely fine, they seem like a perfectly loving and caring family initially and this tragic event happens and so I I was curious even after seeing like that, you know, his brother had drowned. I was just still curious as to why we didn't exactly see that on screen, which, you know, kind of leads me to believe that something is hidden for a reason that might ultimately get revealed in the next episode. I could be completely wrong about that, but I I thought that that was a, a curious decision to not actually show the incident, because I feel like if you see it, that's where it really actually hits home. And so, even though this is like a, a super sad event, this family loses, you know, somebody that's so important, a young boy. Um, it still kind of left me a little bit empty. You know, I, I definitely I get the purpose of the scene and why it's there to really add a lot of that emotional depth to Mark and his his childhood and what he went through. But I was just curious as to why they didn't show us that scene. Uh, I, I don't know if it's something even with like the Disney plus of it all on the fact that, you know, they don't want to, I guess, stray too far into like really graphic depictions of violence and things of that nature, but that that was that was kind of the piece of it that stuck out for me, which might be the wrong way to think about it, but I didn't notice that.
1: No, I agree with that. And I I do wonder is like maybe the as bad as it sounds like maybe the brother's death wasn't the point. It's almost like it's just a catalyst to the bigger issue, which is like how the mother ends up treating Mark, right? Like it's like obviously that and that's the thing. It's like a double whammy like if you just have him like feeling regret for like being in his head the cause of his brother's death like that's already a lot of tragedy now on top of that you add like the mother just basically resenting him for the rest of his life um yeah i i think there's a lot here with like the brother and like one of the things i i noticed like did you see what the what he was drawing the kid there's so many like things that i love about this episode of like easter eggs and stuff um he's drawing a picture of a goldfish with one fin. So, like, everything that Steven had, a lot of Steven's personalities came from a lot of these memories. So, like, that, there's, like, later Gator was, like, Marcus, the kid said that. And, like, Steven, like, it's, like, that's the stuff that does, you know, I'm getting a little emotional just thinking about it. Because it's, like, it's so layered, and they definitely did take their time with this. And they did think about all this stuff going into the show. But, yeah, I mean, the cave was tragic. Like, and then, you know, jumping a little bit, but, like, it it just becomes even more tragic later when, like, Steven's, like, they're coping together. And it was, like, uh good uh, goodwill hunting moment where it's like it's not your fault like it's not your fault, like oh it's so good but i do agree like i don't know if seeing it would have been better but i think it was just how quick maybe like we didn't get introduced to the brother we didn't see them like hang out for a while and it was just like we get introduced right to his the, the the tragic death not like their bond we didn't see the brother's bond so i guess that's where i would like to see a little bit of that more maybe Yeah. So it's interesting. I've done like my research here and there about
0: like the characters from the comics surrounding um, Moon Knight. And there's like, there's so many different branches. Like it almost seems like, I know that I believe now we're confirmed not to get a season two of the show, but it seems like they want a season two because uh, we get, we get mentions of Bushman in this episode who is a villain and Moon Knight. Uh, Layla has a lot of parallels to um, was Scarlet Scarab or whatever. And then also the brother, which I, I don't think this is why they did it, but the brother does come back to life in the comic books, um, and I believe he's also a villain. So, um, I think it's probably more so the fact they didn't want to show a kid dying on Disney+, Plus, uh, but that's there too. It's a possibility. So, uh, yeah, a lot of interesting avenues they can go with a lot of the characters in the show. So, um yeah, we will go to, and yeah, this is, I guess this is when it does get pretty rough. We, we are, we're seeing uh, a lot of different stuff. We see the mom yelling at him at the funeral. We get, like, she doesn't come to, like, his birthday parties. Um, yeah, just so that, that is very sad. I, even now, I can't, I can't, it is very crushing as a mama's
2: boy. Yeah, that, 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 that stuff in particular really, that, that, actually, that, that, that was some of the, the stuff that I, I, I guess I just connected to the most because I think we all can, you know, look at our families and parents and things of that nature. And ultimately we want, we want that love and that care and that affection. And um, unfortunately not everybody is able to receive that. And so when you see his mother, his own mother is, you know, really resentful towards him for something that, you know, it's, it's not his fault. At least that's what we're led to believe. It's not his fault. And even if, even if something did happen, I mean, he's just still a kid at the end of the day. And, uh, She's supposed to be the one that protects him, And and ultimately, she's not that person. She's actually she goes against that in almost every sense and uh, becomes really abusive. Unfortunately, it was it was tough to watch and it was surprisingly dark and I just didn't expect this series on Disney Plus, you know, just from what we've seen out of all MCU stuff up until this point, you just don't expect them to go to these places. Um, but I actually think that 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 stuff really it really resonates a lot. And I think um, uh, kudos to them for also taking that risk to show something that is so emotionally mature um, even even though it is depicting like a, a young child like having to go through this as he's coming of age. Um, I think it's a really mature subject matter for them to tackle so that that that's kind of one of the benefits of these shows because I don't know if you get this in a movie because of the time constraints that you have.
1: Yeah I agree I think that's like we, we talk a lot about how like uh, the TV show the pacing the weeks but that is like one of the benefits is like we can step down and like have these moments uh, breathe. And like, also, I thought it was interesting that the father was like still in the picture. And like that was intriguing to me. Like it's like he's trying to balance both sides and he's still with the wife and he's still trying to like support his kid. And like I want to know more there because like obviously the father is still alive, we we presume. So like that's that that was like a lot with me. And like, I don't know, it's hard because like I could never imagine, you know, someday I hope to be a parent. Like losing your kid, like that's rough. I, you know, I have family member that 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 did happen to, like like lost a kid, and like it's like you never forget that. Like it's like it is every day you think about that. And so I'm not saying what the mother is doing is right in any means, but it's like you also do have some sympathy for her of like, man, that's tragic. That's hard. Like this whole family just needs help. Like someone should came in sooner. Get some therapy in there. Get Doctor Hero on the case. Like. This was uh, this was a lot and and yeah when the, and the kid the kid actor I thought was great I thought he like really played that like almost like unassuming but then also knowing and it was you know a very tragic scene. Tommy's trying to win me over on this episode by talking about kids
0: as a father. Come on, Tommy. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. There's a lot. I mean, uh, the the belt. She got the belt out. That for me, I was like, uh, yeah, I get it. I know what it's like in there
1: um but yeah so i don't know if uh let's see uh,
0: i guess we can cut to when he's a teenager and he's running away from home and this again well, yeah i want right. to
1: talk about the belt scene right because that's when yeah. steven that's when steven i wanted to stop down on that man we're talking about tragic scenes when steven's just like oh i better clean up for my mom like that just broke my heart I mean, that was when i was like man i love steven now i get it i get it because was like the idea that he's all of the happy memories that mark needs like it's basically like you know when they say like if you're ever like miserable or like uh think of your happy place like essentially that's what mark is doing right mark's thinking of his happy place and it manifested into this personality because of trauma and you know like our brains do things to help us cope and and man that was heartbreaking he's like cleaning up and he's just like and the mom breaks in grabs the belt like wow (laughs)
2: Yeah. Well, Tommy, to your point earlier, I I, I really I, I thought that there were so many parallels with that moment to WandaVision and what we saw, because she also utilized childhood memories, things that she that she saw on TV as a way to cope with this uh, this this really emotional, heavy trauma that she was also dealing with. And so I thought that that was that was a nice way to sort of call back to that, although it was probably, you know, unintentional. But I thought that there were like some nice parallels there to just show what people will do to, to create something that feels innocent and it feels peaceful almost because you don't want to deal with that, that pain and that tragedy in the moment. And so it, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting defense mechanism that I think a lot of people tend to lean towards in those, in those moments. And ultimately it becomes even bigger for, for Mark and for Steven and what it means into their, into their entire story. But it was just seeing it in that particular way. I think it also, it, it also really dealt with the, The dissociative identity disorder in in a delicate way that makes sense that they can also still address it in in a a meaningful way.
1: Yeah, and I think so. uh, Real quick, like I think too, uh, it also shows that like I think Mark appreciates Stephen more than we thought. Like he's like we see like this like they're dueling personalities, right? And they're like constantly at at odds. But I think it's more of Mark's protective of Stephen, and in you know in a way, I think he sees Stephen as a brother. You know, like in a way, I think he sees. Especially in like this episode, with like the way they they bond, uh, being two you know actual physical <laughs> beings, I think like it's hard not to feel that like this is the little brother in his eyes of like he can at least have this bond and this siblingness, you know.
0: I didn't realize this was going to turn into a therapy session for me, but I'm realizing now that I have an Indiana Jones poster on my wall behind me. I very much dig myself into movies and TV, obviously, because I have a podcast about it. That probably says a lot about me as well. So, um, yeah, no, I'm I'm seeing a lot of, like, uh, more beauty in this episode than I did walking in. So I appreciate you guys talking about that. Um, But, yeah, so we'll we'll talk about when he's leaving home as a teen. And uh, like Tommy mentioned, the, the dad is there trying to stop him. Uh, another emotional, yeah, an emotional scene here. Um, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on all that, but.
2: Well, I, I found it interesting, um, you know, with the dad in, in the situation, cause he, he's obviously a very important part of the family, but he almost, I think for, for a bit there, we almost have to kind of forget about him because of the stuff that's happening with Mark. And then eventually Steven, as he's created. And it, it, it's really heartbreaking to see the father in that position as well, because, a part of me wanted him to be to be there more for for Mark and to be a little bit more protective with the and like that that's obviously his wife and so it's a really tough situation and i'm sure that he hears about it much more than than Mark is he's trying to shield him from all of that pain but then the other side of me is like well how is he even dealing with this we can't even really have the time to unpack that for him um and i know that they they only have so much time but i would i would have loved to even see more about the father and how he dealt with that entire, that entire situation. And he has to almost kind of be the strong one, you know, out of everybody, but nobody can, nobody can be strong, you know, in that type of situation. It's the worst thing that, that could ever happen, you know, but um, I think that there was always still that love that existed, you know, for Mark that, that was always there. And he obviously cared and didn't want him to run away. But I think Mark was just, you know, he was just way too separated at that point, way too, way too disconnected from the family and what it meant for him anymore.
0: Right. And we also um we get we get like another contrasting um scene here with another funeral later as Mark is older and he has like shown up outside the house uh for his mother's funeral and uh yeah he's not going inside. And yeah, this is again another very emotional part here. Um so I don't know, yeah.
1: What do you think? Yeah, I mean (laughs) when it's like you know, the the dad like looks out the window and he's there and they just the 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 use of like silence here where it's like he just shakes like they, they're they not talking but they're talking and you you like you know the dad's like come on like he, please like just like this will be good for everyone and but i will say like the dad i don't know like i'm the dad obviously was going through a lot <laughs> and and like jordan was saying like we don't even know how he was he's still grieving he also lost this like on top of all this he lost the son and now has to navigate um a wife who's grieving very hardly and and not handling it appropriately you have a son who's feeling neglected and and um i think do i think he could do could do better yes do i feel like that's a lot for one person to handle yes like and, and so like this scene was tragic where it's like this is an adult mark and it's like clearly this baggage was still like clearly these issues never went away for mark and and yes he's grown up he did his own thing he's went off he's but like that it's still there for him and like the just how they showed steven pop up and like it makes sense that this um is like what triggered like the 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 walls breaking down and now like the personalities come and go because all of mark's walls have been broken now and in this stuff you know we are separating it but this is where what i do find this episode even more intriguing is I kept question. I don't know if this is just me. I kept questioning if the Doctor Harrow stuff was real or not. Because like with this, I was like, well, maybe Steven did turn himself in. Like the whole time, I kept being like, I think it's this way, but then they keep convincing me that maybe it's the other way. And uh, I thought that was so interesting.
2: Yeah, no, I, d- I definitely thought that too. I was, I was, I was confused for a lot of it because I'm like, are they trying to tell us that this is not, this is not really real, like what we've been watching, and that he's actually in this institution. And so um, that, that stuff is actually, I I thought I would be upset at that, that, that choice, that creative choice to do that. But I found it actually to be beneficial because it really, I think it really helps. It helps sort of reset just like everything in terms of what it means for, for Mark and and how he's like made it to this point, how he's kind of been taken advantage of in, in, in quite a few situations, especially like, I know we'll talk about the country stuff, you know, with him uh, becoming moon Knight soon, but all of that just kind of really helped, I think just like reframe the entire entire situation that, no, this is like a real thing. But, you know, you have to kind of question it because there's there's always so many forces that have been around him that that, that have been influential and also maybe even manipulative, like specifically with Dr. Harrow that could like try to influence the situation. So that was actually a really I think a really interesting part of the episode.
0: Yeah, I no, Love it. And you mentioned it. So let's go to uh, our next flashback here. Uh, I, I think this is the next one where they are uh, in the desert. And uh, we, we've had those scenes described to us a couple times already. But yeah, so uh, apparently Bushman has killed all of the archaeologists, including uh, Layla's father. Um, Mark is injured and he's going to crawl into this temple. And this is where, and I actually, I thought this was a great, like, uh, the pinnacle of all the things that we've seen thus far, where he's just like he's like physically and mentally beat. And like you see him like raise the gun up, he's gonna kill himself. And uh Conchu intervenes. Uh Tommy, what do you think about this?
1: Yeah, and I mean it, it was cool. This was and thing with Kanchu is like I wanna like him. And then I just said, like, no, you're you're so mean. Like, you know, like Jordan and I have been saying of like. The, the people taking advantage of Mark, and to me, this is the moment where, like, you see Steven finally see Mark the way Mark actually is. Like, to me, Steven gave pity to Mark here of, like, you, you were just, like, you were literally just trying to, like, contru- took advantage of this situation, and Mark's basically like, yeah, kind of. But also, like, what else did, you know, and Mark even, but Mark even, I think the thing that's interesting is Mark defends it a little, right? Like, Mark kind of, like, and that's like a something that happens in abusive, like a, like relationships, like that. You know, I don't want to call it abusive, but it c- kind of is. It's manipulative. It's a manipulative relationship, and like he's justifying it, and like, well, like you know, it's a better path than where I was, like in sense or that that kind of stuff. That I don't know. It it was definitely a very um. To me, this was just adding on to the layers and layers of like showing us how beaten down Mark has been in his life, and so when we it almost will be interesting to go back to like episodes one and two and like seeing that more hardened Mark and like knowing this side is there.
2: Yeah. Conchu in particular, he he's been, he, I mean, he's done some really bad things and he's like very violent and has taken advantage of Mark and, and kind of gaslights him. But I think to your point, Mark is justifying the behavior and, and almost almost just consenting to it in a way, because I think that there's still a part of him that maybe needs him or just wants that, that extra layer of protection that Khonshu has been able to give to him because he was on the brink of death. And maybe even some of that stuff from his childhood actually informs that, that he's like in this, he's in this situation. He knows it's bad. He's, he knows it's not like a great thing to be a part of, but ultimately this has kind of been his upbringing. And, and I don't know. He's, I don't know if he's been able to shake that and, and, I wonder if maybe maybe one of the resolutions of the series. I don't know if they'll be able to wrap this up in the next episode, but I I would want Mark to understand, like, you you don't have to put yourself through this. You don't have to deal with all of the stuff that comes with this, especially like the threats that Khonshu has like even made towards Layla. You know, using Mark as a way to like get to Layla is also like really, really terrible. So I, I just I want better for Mark. I really do. Like I want him to like come out on the other side and like realize like, you don't you don't have to do this.
0: Tommy, I've been saying it for weeks. Kanju is straight evil. There's like he is like he, I like I, I think even uh Harrow is the red harrow or herring of uh of the sea. Like I don't because Kanju is literally the like the I was gonna say personification, but he's not a person. He he's like that he's been calling him names. He calls him an idiot. Like he's constantly pushing him down. Like uh there's like I fully believe that that like con, like the next episode we're going to get some hero stuff, but I think it's really going to be Mark breaking up with Kanju. I think that's what we're coming to here.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I wish I just, I don't see how he continues his moon night without, without Kanju. Right? He becomes Kanju. So- Can he do that? <laughs> Maybe I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah. We'll just make it happen right now. You know what? <laughs> Call him Kan <Con> Mark. Come yeah. on. <laughs> Marku. Uh Yeah. yeah I mean, it, it's, i am with you like i was like yeah country's kind of like i feel like he's very old-fashioned i wouldn't say he's as like evil as harold because i still think harold is is like what rubs me the wrong way about harold is is, and ethan hawk is so good even then like the therapist like it's like it's the very calm his he doesn't show emotion and so it's it's that person like imagine you're in a fight and it's like the other person is just like you know what like i don't know why you're upset right now like that would that would rile me up even more than him screaming back at me like that's that's harold so like at least Kanchu, i can like read him right? when he's angry he's you know he's angry he's just like whoa like just yelling across the room um so yeah i mean Kancho's not great <laughs>
2: not a great guy yeah no H- hero is he's the king of gaslighting for sure he can just like maintain his composure tell you what 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 sounds to be like the right thing and he puts it in such such an eloquent way all of the time and he also has that relationship with Kanchu, you know you when, when he used to be his avatar. So he knows him. And so I think Harrow knows all of the right things to say in order to get somebody to potentially jump to the other side and maybe join up with him. And then Kanchu, you know, and the things that he's dealing with, he obviously has a vendetta against Harrow, but yeah, it's, it's hard to trust. I think, I think what we, what we've often been taught in any sort of like film or media, like it's, it's hard to trust any of these like gods, you know, Egyptian gods or Greek gods or Roman gods. Like they're so flawed typically in 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 how we see them portrayed and so i think ultimately conchu like we'll we'll have to see like this is not the greatest person but it it does beg the question like how does mark continue his moon night if that if that's the case if they if they do end up you know sort of having a breakup
0: so talking hero here uh now that we're out of the flashbacks i kind of want to like talk about their scenes together in a row kind of like we did with uh the flashbacks and uh this is where I might get some pushback from you guys based on what you're saying. I hate Harrow and not like, I don't like, I hate him like a villain. I don't like this character. Like he like, cause there are a lot of moments. There's a lot of conversation between the two in this episode. And I'm sure you guys are going to have some stuff to say on it. For me, I have nothing to say. It. This guy is a vessel to throw exposition. That's what he's been from the very, very beginning. He's always talking. That's it. And I get it. I get it. He's like, uh, he's gaslighty, like he he's he's an asshole in his own way. But for me, it's like I just see him as a vessel to tell us about Mark and tell us about these gods. That's what he's been. He's always talking. It's just like, I don't know. I need more. I need way more from Harrow, uh, especially for Ethan, and, and here's the thing. The performance is not bad. I love Ethan Hawk. He does great for what he's given. I just don't think it's enough.
1: Ugh, I don't know. Sorry, guys. No, I hear that. I think it's just, uh, you know, I think different flavors right i i do like dialogue-y movies i like dialogue-y characters over action like and to me he is like he's like the umbridge right like if you like looking at harry potter like you got baltimore who's more like "bah, kill pill kill and then you got umbridge who just gets under your skin that's how hero is for me at least is like hero uses it he's not strong like you know he's stepping on glass he's he's like a weakling yet his power is is in this word so i agree with you like he is very talky and i, I agree with the exposition part like they're definitely I, not in this episode but in like the late, earlier ones like obviously he was giving us a lot of that because like mark like they wanted to keep the mystery around like mark and steven and all that stuff so it was like that's heroes this guide who's giving you the the small feedback i do think it's part of the gaslighting right he's like i'll be honest with you guys i'll tell you the stuff that kancho won't tell you like look at me like i i'm being transparent when he's not like he's not at all um that's the stuff that gets me riled up because i know people like Harold, and that gets under my skin and that's like i think why i identify like as him with with this session as therapy dr hero we see i just felt like the the uh what i what i really liked about ethan hawk in this scene i think he's doing great like regardless of the character i think ethan hawk is killing the acting in this for me and uh It's the idea of like, even in the the therapy session or whatever, it's that I'm helping you trust me, but he's really not like, it's like, it's all around the side of like, I'm trying to free the world. And that's my point of view, but he's doing it in nefarious ways. And I don't even know if he knows he's doing it in nefarious ways. And that makes him so dangerous. So, and here's, here's my pitch, because I I, I hear you, Tommy. I like
0: that character too. And my favorite type of that character is Littlefinger from Game of Thrones. I think it works so well. Um, We actually, and I think the big difference between the two and maybe where my issue is coming from, I know what Littlefinger wants, right? Like he wants power. He wants that, like he's everything he does and we see how he's doing it for me. Harold, I don't even really know what he wants. Like I get, like he has this this uh, bad relationship with Konchi, but Konchi's gone. Now he's just locked Mark up, and he's like, like what are you doing, man? Like, what w- what is any of your motivation at this point? I-, I just, for me, it's just it's not all the wires aren't crossing for me. Uh, Jordan, what do you what do you what say you on on uh, a hero?
2: Yeah, you know, honestly. I I have to kind of agree with you, Michael, because I think what, what I've seen in the beginning of the series, like I thought that Harold was incredibly intriguing, very mysterious. You don't know that much. And, you know, the opening shot of the series is, you know, him with the, the glass and the shoes, like what the hell is wrong with this guy? Like, what's what's his deal? But I think what's happened over these past few episodes, he's just gradually gotten less interesting because we we have not been we've not really been made aware of just like what exactly he wants. Like the whole mission is obviously trying to get to Ahmed's tomb and free, and free Ahmed because of whatever it is he believes in. But I think, I don't know. I think that um, this, this might be the show sort of being a victim to, to going in too many directions and maybe, maybe introducing too many new elements, because I think that as, as time has progressed, we haven't seen much, much new development from Harrow. Like even in episode four, um, when he's in the tomb, the only reason that he's there is to tell Layla like, Oh, you should probably ask Mark the truth about your father. That that's his only purpose. And even, even in this episode, he's, he's playing that, you know, that, that, that psychiatrist in the, in the ward, but he's not really doing anything except trying to calm Mark and Steven down. That's at least, that's at least how I felt. So these past two episodes have kind of taken a lot of the steam, I think away from him as a character that, that they, you know, did a good job of of setting up in the, in the first few episodes.
1: Yeah, no, and I hear the motivation. I guess, let me pitch from what I think the motivation is. I think this is, maybe this is predicting the next episode. I think with Kancho, I think hero saw the potential of their power. And I think hero was like, there's a lot of evil people in the world. And, and a lot of, like, we can stop that. We can prevent evil people we can prevent them before they do the evil we can do all this stuff Kanchu was like no get out of here like as much as we say Kanchu is the villain I think this is the line that Kanchu drew and I think Hero A is now abandoned you know he was in this manipulative relation because Kanchu does manipulate was abandoned and Hero got desperate is now seeking this new god to do what he wanted to do with Kanchu. so it's like it's basically an, an eggs being like you didn't like ruining ruining Kanchu's life ruining everyone's life around Kanchu. And I do think that's his motivation. I think his motivation is to achieve that goal of uh, fully purifying the world of guilty people in his eyes. Um, Is that enough? Have we gotten enough of that? I don't know. And I I, I think they could have done more of that. But I I do think that if we're looking at any motivation, I think that's the motivation. And I think Harold's also a mirror to Mark in a lot of ways. Maybe that's where I'm looking at, too.
0: So I want to talk about another thing and the only real note I have from all their conversations, um, which was kind of interesting because we are, we're cutting back and forth between them. You know, we see him get shot in the neck with I I don't know, a tranquilizer, Um, but yeah, he's constantly hopping back and forth. But the first time we go there, uh, Mark has a split nose and he's bleeding. And then we cut back and then we come back later and his nose is fine. So like, there's a lot of weird stuff going on here that I didn't necessarily like pick up on why it was happening. I feel like there was a greater reason there. I didn't know if either of you had uh, theories, for any of these like therapy scenes we get for lack of a better term
2: yeah a part of me almost thought that that might have been just like a problem with like the consistency of the production because like i noticed like i think it was last week's episode that somebody spotted that a crew member's like leg was in one of the shots or something like that and so i i mean i hope that that's not the case like i wouldn't want to you know call out Marvel or Disney for not being able to like spot something like that, but it has happened, you know, unfortunately like these things do tend to happen with these bigger productions. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm not sure if that, if it meant something more um, to, to the whole thing and it, potentially it, it could have been just like another way to throw up, throw us off as an audience to like wonder whether or not that this is like really happening to him.
1: Yeah. I lean towards that, that point of like, is this really happening? You know, like I, I, I think it could have been more clear because i was with you i was like wait i i think what i took away from it was that like you don't know what the real reality here is you know we're jumping time we're jumping uh back and forth is hero re-? and that's i think the point of hero is i think to do <laughs> what he does which is gaslight mark and steven he, he's trying to help but he's mostly trying to just make them think this is the reality here it's kind of how i felt and uh, I think that kind of stuff of like we've seen with the nose there for a second. It's like I think it's to show that was if this world is the reality, time has passed from him like getting injected and having that whole memory with the hippos and hippo and stuff. And then it's like he was healed and now he's back in therapy kind of thing. I don't know. It, it, it's confusing. I, I agree. It's very confusing. I don't know if it's done on purpose to make us confused or it's just. You know, they didn't want to, Oscar Isaac said, you know what? I don't want to be in makeup this day. <laughs> We're just going to have it gone. Okay. So let's, let's move
0: and talk about, um, Tarawit. I think I'm going to, I think that's, uh, the, the, the hippo God, uh, the God of, uh, women and children and childbirth and life. And like, like too many God of too many things, apparently, because like Tommy, like we talked about some gods, they only get, they only get to be the God of one thing. And then we get these guys that are, like, got like five or six things. With that being said, I do like tarot. Tarawit's a lot of fun. Um, we get uh, a lot of conversation about, um, well, Tommy, first and foremost, we'll go ahead and pat you on the back. Your prediction was right. You said this was an afterlife, and that's what this is. So uh, props to you there. We find out that this is the Duat, um, which is one of many afterlives. Uh, they even mentioned that, uh Ancestral Plane, which was cool. Um, yeah, I didn't know if you guys had any thoughts about uh, all of uh I guess terror and uh the fact that
2: we're in an afterlife. Yeah, I really like this stuff. I thought that this was cool to like open up this this new this new realm, you know, within the MCU obviously something that we haven't dealt with. We haven't dealt with like any sort of afterlife or underworld, I guess sort of stuff in the MCU. Maybe maybe a little bit with Thor, kind of, but not 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 as much as I think that they could have. Um mostly in Thor Ragnarok I think we saw a little bit of that, but here I thought that that was like really cool egyptian mythology stuff to introduce in this show which i i was i was hoping for i would hope we would get some of that stuff i think that uh the only un- unfortunate thing about it maybe it's you know maybe it's addressed ne- next week but you know i think the the things that next week needs to accomplish the next episode is is, is you know very much like stacking on top of itself there's a lot of things but um it, it did feel like we kind of breezed past past all of that stuff like really quickly like there's a lot of information a lot of exposition that's introduced from Tara Whit, and she's she's good at that and I like that stuff but then they just have to shift gears immediately to focus on the past and to really address Mark's upbringing so um, a little unfortunate that we couldn't get a little bit more of that but I'm, I'm hopeful at least like now that it's here and there's like an idea and an understanding that there's multiple afterlifes that you know maybe they could bring that back in the future
1: yeah and I think it's because to me, the the memories and the Harrow stuff feels connected. There's a story I can come up with of like they're, they're exploring these uh, flashbacks because he's going through this like therapy type stuff. And I wonder if they just almost had that at, at the front. Just like, just those two storylines going back and forth, back and forth. And then it's like jarring of like, you know, don't have the hippo last week, have the hippo come in this week. And it's like, oh, now we're going to deal with all this afterlife stuff. I think because it was like, To me, it was the part that I was least enjoying, and I was like, "Okay, give me back into the memories. I want to know more about these flashbacks. I want to know more about Mark and and Stephen's past." Um, I found it really interesting, both visually, was very cool. Um, I thought the hippo character was interesting. I think the flightiness was fun for a little bit, but I'm also like, "Okay, so they got to balance their hearts, but like you're not really helping them, but you're also giving them kind of guidance, and then you like slow down the boat, maybe." Like I was like, "I think it was just a lot." That they were trying to explain and, and give us and uh it, on top of everything else they were trying to give us in the other story uh plot points
0: well yeah I actually tommy i agree with you there because it's almost like they we had two different framing devices to to do the same thing number one we had the therapy to kind of talk him through the flashbacks but we also had the hippo who was also talking him through the like the whole point was to like like come to terms with who you are in order to get through these gates and uh, that was the, that was also the point of the flashbacks. It's like, okay, well, I, I I haven't accepted everything yet, so let me go back a little bit further. And uh, so, yeah, we we had. I feel like if we just had one or the other, and in my mind, actually, just take Harrow out, keep the hippo stuff, because <laughs> I don't really care about Harrow. But um, yeah, that's what I think about that. that just a, a lot going on in terms of like uh, his multiple ways of being guided through his flashbacks. I
2: I, I should also I, I, the one thing that I I really didn't like about that particular stuff within the episode like the tarot Wood stuff like it just felt when they after they you know went through the past memories and they came back and things still were not in balance with their hearts like it just felt kind of convenient to me that you know they sort of just like asked, could they return you know back to back to the real world could like could, could she could she lead them back and she was just really kind of agreeable at that point like yeah you know we can kind of get you back there that that, that just felt a little too easy to me um You know, even though ultimately like he does, he does get the heart and balance, um, but that just felt very rushed that particular part. You know, I thought that they could have probably just like handled that a little bit better from just explaining it, how he can get back, maybe make it a little bit more challenging.
1: Yeah, agreed. And they were like, it seemed like the resolution with like Steven and Mark was like that that street scene of like, you know, like it's not your fault and the the heart should be bounced. So I have a theory. (laughs) Welcome to Tommy's Theory Corner. Um, I think the hearts were in balance because not all the hearts were present. And so the heart, it became balanced the minute Steven died or, you know, got uh, ash because there was only two hearts and there's now only two personalities. So that's my theory is that Jake needed to be freed from his sarcophagus and his heart needed to be there. Otherwise it would have been balanced. I like it. That's not, that's not bad.
0: Um, also, well, I'm going to piggyback on your theory and kind of go to a different theory in, in terms of the third sarcophagus. There, um, like, if 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 it is required to have like these three, this trifecta of personalities within Mark, uh, you know, they take out Kanju, they put this other one in. Now, now we, uh, I, I I feel like that. I feel like that very much could. I think that's definitely something we're going to explore. Um, who this third personality is, and I think it will uh, it'll ultimately take the place of
1: Kanju.
2: Yeah, I, I think I'm a little um, like Jake Lockley has definitely been something, and I think that you know fans of like Moon Knight who've you know read the comics or know a little bit about the the characters have been waiting for. Um, I, 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 Tommy, I think that that's actually like a really a really smart point there. I didn't think about that, but I'm I'm a little nervous about it just because I think Jake is like a really that could be a really interesting thing to explore, and because we don't exactly know what's going to happen after this series like if it's going to be a season two or if oscar isaac is going to come back i'm just wondering how they handle jake lockley if they do decide to introduce him in the finale um or at least set that up that maybe that's something that they do explore more in the future um but i there's so much that feels like it needs to be addressed in the next episode and i just wonder if that's another another thing that they'll add on top of all the other stuff that they have to wrap up
1: yeah, it might be like it might have been for season two if they were gonna do that. It, Cause I, I thought this was gonna be the episode. I thought this was I thought they were gonna have Jake be and it was gonna be the trio of them going through the memories. And I I thought it would be like they find one memory and they're like, wait, I don't remember this. And Steven's like, I don't remember this either. And then they had to go find Jake in the in the the facility. That was kind of my thought. But then I'm like, and yeah, I I, I you know, who knows is my theories, right? It just seemed very convenient that right when Steven's gone. memories back and it's like i guess you could take it as like a selfish sacrifice by steven that's has made the hearts whole but to me that would make the heart like it would make it less whole you just lost a piece of yourself you know at this point steven is a piece of mark and and to me now they're but you know unless someone fills that void jake our boy
0: If, so i do want to i guess just cl- kind of closing out and give some final thoughts especially on uh the steven death and maybe this is again i said this word for me more and again just because we know the character but i also there's still a part of me that's like he's not gone for good like he's like they're not giving up that character especially all the time we spend on him i don't know and that's like the whole point of midnight yeah we might get jake and that like takes his place but um i don't know i just feel like we spent so much time building up steven I, there's just no doubt in my mind that he's not coming back so again, it's like okay, it's kind of like uh I don't know. I don't it's not a good comparison. I was gonna say Chewbacca and Rise of Skywalker,
1: but um feels like a fake out death to me. Uh, yeah, I think he's gonna come back. I think but maybe with less, maybe it's more of like he's just the voice in the head now. I don't know. Uh, but we can't lose Steven. Now that I finally am on board with Steven, I can't I can't lose him. Yeah,
2: no, the 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 moment that we found out Steven was sort of created out of this 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 movie character from Tomb Buster, you know, this random like, you know, old school Indiana Jones like movie. I was like, oh, I I really like that a lot. And I think that there's a lot there's a lot still there's a lot that Stephen actually provides, you know, to the story that Mark is not able to accomplish. Like Stephen's incredibly smart, knows a lot about Egyptian history and mythology. Like there's so many things that Steve is great for. And I would be super sad to not even see any more Mr. Knight in particular, because we've seen just a little bit of that. And I just want I want a lot more Mr. Knight on top of, you know, more Moon Knight stuff as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a were- good point. Then I can rid of Mr. Knight. So, yeah, there's um, too much merchandise for him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's going to be my yeah. Halloween costume. Yeah. Should I go as Moon Knight? Yeah, let's do it. I'd have it easily. I just got to go to Goodwill and find a white I'm going to go.
1: No, you go as Mark. I'll go as Kanshu and I'll just like stand over top of you. Like (laughs) get rid of the, (laughs) get rid of that. uh, What do you call him? A scarab? Get rid of him.
0: I I do want to say though, I don't like that they call him Dr. Grant because I only know one Dr. Grant and that's Alan Grant from Jurassic Park.
2: (laughs) The most iconic Grant for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But I was going to say with the ending, did anyone get like gladiator vibes from that like w- w- the field of, of like wheat oh, yeah. or whatever? I got big gladiator, which is cool, but I definitely got like big gladiator vibes from this ending.
2: <laughs> that that was super close to gladiator. It was it was kind of exactly shot for shot that same moment, you know. Which which I mean it's it, it is nice. That is like one of the more memorable parts from gladiator. Uh I, I hadn't thought about that. I
0: mean, this series all throughout has been, there have been multiple things we've been like, haven't we seen this exact thing before and something else? Um, So with that being said, uh, I think that takes us to the end here. Um, Let's dive into some recommendations. Uh, Tommy, do you have anything you want to leave everybody with?
1: Yeah, kind of like to go with this episode, you know, we talk, speaking of something we said, oh, I think I've seen this before. If you haven't seen it, go watch Legion. Uh, it was an FX show. It was really good. If you like this kind of like, if you like the therapy stuff, if you're like me and you're like, this stuff has been working for you with like this kind of like mind psychology stuff, Legion will be right up your alley. I think it's a really cool uh, a show that like each season it built build and did really complex things by the end of it.
0: All right. Uh I'll let you go uh, last Jordan. Um I'm going to I'm going to talk about The northmen Oh my god, I love this movie so much. Now listen. Robert Eggers directed The Witch and The Lighthouse. And listen, I'm like the probably the biggest Witch fan. I didn't like The Lighthouse as much so I was a little skeptical coming into this. And even seeing some of the trailers it kind of seemed like uh I don't know, they just kind of packed it with some like uh big uh celebrities and you know, it's just like a fun little uh you know kind of reminded me of like we we got like gladiator and then we also got uh troy like right after it was like the last it kind of seemed like it was trying to ride on the success of gladiator a little bit Uh, i don't know the norseman like it had those vibes to me um but i was so impressed it's such a fun movie um it is it is a long movie but i think it works really well in this case um Outstanding performances, outstanding story, so emotional, so much fun. you got to see The Norseman. It's my favorite movie of the year. Um, I know a lot of people have said, like, Everything Everywhere All at Once is the best movie of the year. For me, it's The Norseman. I loved it so much. Um, with that being said, uh, Jordan, I will – yeah, Tommy. Oh, you're gonna... Did you
1: like Ethan Hawke in, this car- in that movie, at least?
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, Ethan Hawke – listen, Ethan Hawke can do no wrong. I do not have problems with any of his performances. Typically, it's, like, the writing, but, hey. Jordan, I will throw it to you. Do you have something you want to leave the audience with?
2: Sure. Yeah, I, I'll I'll go ahead and recommend something. I, I guess it's 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 somewhat related to what we've been talking about with this episode of Moon Knight with parents, and I, I want to recommend Turning Red, uh, from from Pixar, which is uh you know the latest film that they just done, which went straight to Disney Plus. I think about a month a month or so ago. Um, I was just I was really surprised at how much I enjoyed uh, this film because some of the last few Pixar movies have been just like okay. I think they've always managed to make like at least good movies, but some of them are less amazing than others but i think that this might be my favorite pixar movie in i don't know maybe like eight or nine years it was just really really impressive i think all the performances were really really great um and it's also telling a story about you know i think a a side of, of of characters that we don't we don't typically see like an asian a canadian asian you know sort of story um about a young teen you know coming of age and the relationship with her mother and how they how they navigate that as she's you know sort of growing into a woman and just you know she just wants to be with her friends and just like wants to go to this concert it's really it's really cute and adorable but it's also super funny and very very emotional so i'd say turning red and you can see it on disney plus right now
0: and and if you have kids listen my son knows every word to the four town songs like he (laughs) loves this movie it is uh like he he doesn't talk much but he knows this song which is awesome and then my and then uh, the twin daughter she 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 calls it may 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 because that's the name of the main character so um
1: I'll have to learn the the words, too, and then me and your son can duet. Yes, exactly. We'll bring them podcast. Time. Yeah, they're great. Tommy, can we, uh, speaking of Pixar,
0: can we do a Lightyear recap?
1: Yeah, I, we can do a Lightyear year. I'm Greatyear. so excited
0: for Lightyear. Jordan, I don't know if you're, uh, uh, I'm like, this is like my jam. Like, hardcore, sci-fi, Pixar, throw it all in a pot. I'm excited for it.
2: Yeah, no, a, a sci-fi movie, like a true sci-fi movie from Pixar sounds like everything that I would ever want. It, it, I'm, I'm super excited about it. And I've also just kind of been reading. I know it like CinemaCon is happening right now. And so I read some of the reactions to like, I think they showed the first 30 minutes of the movie. And, you know, people are saying like, oh, yeah, you're going to cry literally in the opening minutes of the film. And so I'm like, I'm here for it. Pixar, like, bring the emotions out of me. Like, you know how to tug at my heartstrings and speak exactly to my childhood. So I'm, I'm, I'm super excited for Lightyear
1: yeah i i haven't looked to be honest i haven't looked too much into it as you know i try to like just if i'm you gonna watch something i just don't even look at it uh but it it kind of gives me the vibe of do you remember that like uh buzz lightyear like anime show that had, like nothing to do with the the, the toy star, star command movies? baby yeah that's i'm hoping it's like that because i loved that show growing up so
0: yeah so <laughs> yeah no, so, super excited for that um Jordan, thank you so much for doing this. I like we brought you on for like the most depressing episode that we've ever done. Like we like <laughs> we like for uh, like we got into like inner problems between Tommy and myself here. So uh, I appreciate you bearing through it with us. It was so much fun getting your opinions. I want to give you the chance to tell people. Uh, I know tell people about your podcast and wherever else they can find you on the internet.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. This was this was fun, even though we had to unpack a lot of you know really traumatic stuff and, and some some hard topics. But uh folks, if you wanna, you know, tune into my podcast, I'm one of the co-hosts of two black nerds. Um, just the number two black nerds. You can find us anywhere you get your podcast: Apple, Spotify, Google, all those great places. We're also on, on on Twitter and Instagram at two black nerds, and you can follow us there. Um, we try to do a lot of cool things on on social media, try to engage conversation, and we're also doing weekly moon night reviews. So if you're into the show. So definitely listen to this episode and then if you want to go check out our stuff you can check out the the past five um reviews that we've done for the series so hopefully see you guys there yeah
0: you guys are way more like y'all like like tommy and i we're just like floundering and goobering uh over moon now you guys have like actual interesting discussions so and also i gotta say this out of like because i follow a lot of different podcast accounts but y'all's instagram is like y'all are on it like from the edits to the content to the interaction. Yeah. Like chef's kiss. You guys. Thank yeah, you. you. Got
2: it, so. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's good work. It's, uh, I'm, I work in social media, so it's just kind of like something else that adds on to it. So definitely fun stuff over there, but yeah, thank you guys again for having me on today. This is great.
0: Yes. All right.
1: So I will close this out
0: here. Well, tell me uh, what's going on in your world.
1: Uh, you know, uh, well, I I'm guess, this this is you know, what, you, uh, no podcast as of late, uh, still, can find me over at the Tommy's Tidbits uh, Twitter, and uh, you know, I guess this is the update. People love to hear about our personal lives, right? Uh, I finally got Michael to try D and D. Let's just, let's just that happened. He did it. He tried it. Um, I'll let him say if he liked it or not. But listen, it was a good time. Uh, everyone laughs all around.
0: Yeah, no, I, I hate when to admit when Tommy's right, but he got. I like D now. Okay, I want to do it again. Uh I want to get our gang back together like I want to continue our story. It's so much fun. A uh, lot of a lot of fun. Um also want to talk about one more thing. Something excited that happened from like the number one Star Wars guest. He's been on like five episodes. Alex Blizzard. Hey Jordan, do you watch The Circle? Do you know what that is?
2: I've heard of it. I haven't checked it out yet. I've there's something that I, I definitely want to watch though.
0: A good friend of the podcast is going to be on it. So, uh his name's Alex Brizard, he's going to be on what is it, season 4 of The Circle, yeah, season 4. Yeah, nice. so huge, huge news in the Star Wars community. So uh, yeah, uh, go go give Alex Bizard all your love. Okay, with that being said, after uh, the DD and the circle and all that other stuff, we will close it out. Um, I would like to remind you guys to rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify, preferably five stars. And also, please subscribe because we're going to be here every single week. Uh, Tommy, Multiverse of Madness is next week, so we're gonna have to we have to wrap that that's one up. Coming up,
1: that's yep. that has snuck up on me, and still another update. I still have not been spoiled by any trailers. Everyone said you'd be spoiled. Alex Brizard looking at you as one person who said, oh, you're going to find out that Dr. Strange news. I have not. So please don't, no one spoil me now to like prove Alex right. Like, <laughs> Tommy, be
0: careful because there is some more big stuff that came out today. So uh, it seems like a, a minefield of information if you're trying to avoid it. Try I stay um, off
1: the Twitter? Like just not, just go ghost for like a week.
0: I, I, I don't know the links you want to go to and I don't know what your Twitter looks like. If it was my Twitter and I wanted to avoid it, I would log off. <laughs> so um, with that being said though, um, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Pod, and you can also find our merch and the link in our bio. Also, we have a Discord community. So if you want to get involved in that, you can message us there and we will get you involved. Uh, with that being said, it's all we got for you guys. Thank you so much for listening. And we will see you next time. Come on, Tommy. Uh, Bye!